Today is Palm Sunday, and we celebrate the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And we're really excited that Jesus decided to make that call. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why we're excited and what it shows us. It shows us that problems are never best left festering. They're always best left confronted. So Jesus, knowing that he will undergo crucifixion, knowing that he will be killed, that he will be assaulted, his body would be wounded, he would bleed for us, still decided to make that entry into Jerusalem and face head on his death. And so I spoke to the Spanish service yesterday and I said this during the Spanish service. I said, I really believe that God wants us to take on and no longer cower and run in fear of our issues. As a matter of fact, the scriptures say themselves, God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us the ability to make sound judgments. And so I want to encourage you this morning as we celebrate Palm Sunday, know that Jesus wants us to not execute things in fear. Move forward. Enter triumphantly. Face your issues triumphantly head on. Some of you guys need to take and need to, uh, some of you guys need to understand where your battlefield is. Your mind is your battlefield. And some of you guys are so fed up with some of the things that have been occurring in and around your life for such a long time. But the problem is, is that you've never prayed about it. You've never spoken to Jesus about it. In the, God, in, in the book of James, the Bible says that we have not because we ask not. So even though God is omniscient, meaning he knows all. And he knows what you're going to ask even before you ask it. It means he still wants you to ask. Some of you guys need to enter triumphantly into your prayer closets or wherever it is that you pray. And you need to say, enough is enough is enough. I have had it up to here with this situation. It's time for this to be resolved. King of glory, would you battle this on my behalf? Would you bring peace to this circumstance? Would you heal? Would you break the chain? Some of us need to say, enough is enough in our lives. I'd like to read this morning to you from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses 38 through 41. And the title of this morning's message is, A Cup of Cold Water. A Cup of Cold Water. Mark, chapter 9, verse 38 through 41. I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. You'll have it on the screen in the English Standard Version. And here's what it says. Don't stop him. Jesus said, no one who performs a miracle in my name will soon be able to speak evil of me. Anyone who is not against us is for us. If anyone gives you a, even a cup of water because you belong to the Messiah, I tell you the truth, that person will surely be rewarded. Let me give you some context a little bit if we get some context into this a little bit. So here's, here's what's going on. In verse 38, here's what happens. John, the apostle, the person who loves Jesus, the person who writes the gospel of John, the person who writes the book of Revelation and 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, he comes up to Jesus and he says, teacher, hey Jesus, I could imagine he's like a little kid, right? All these disciples are like little kids. So when you look at these guys, 
and you see them, they're performing great miracles. God is using them incredibly, but they're also incredibly immature, right? So I can imagine, have you ever, have you, I'm a dad, right? And, and, and I have three kids now, okay? And so I'm holding a baby in one arm and probably the other two are like yanking at me. Every morning I wake up with a child in my face going leche, meaning I want milk, Okay, so I get up seven, seven o'clock in the morning with a kid in my face and I've got the first thing I got to do is go down and fix that kid a bottle and they're chugging up on me. And so I have you ever had this instance before? I have two girls, right? They love each other with all their hearts, but they like to fight. Okay, every once in a while, right? So they have this little sibling thing that goes on and so they like to fight. And so one of my kids will come up to me, they'll pull on my shirt and they'll say, Dada, Dada, she did this and this and this and this to me. And so I'm like, okay, thanks for letting me know. And I'll try to deal with the issue. Or sometimes when I see it or, or they explain it in a way that it doesn't happen, I'm like, stop being such a tattletale, right? Have you, ever, have you ever experienced that before? Tattletale, stop tattletaling. And so this is exactly what John does. He, he pulls up on Jesus, hey, Jesus, da-da, da-da. And John says to Jesus, teacher, we saw one, someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he wasn't part of our group. And that's when Jesus answers, don't stop him. No one who performs a miracle in my name will soon be able to speak evil of me. Anyone who is not against us is for us. If anyone even gives you a cup of water because you belong to the Messiah, I tell you the truth, that person will surely be rewarded. Let me talk to you this morning about servanthood. You see, the church today is in need of great servants. Because in many ways, we have become consumer Christians who see the church as the servant who meets our needs. And as far as the world is concerned, we condemn the world, but we do little to serve the gospel to the world. And what we just read, Jesus really paints a very clear picture of what it means for the church to serve. You see, three times before Jesus makes his statement about this cup of water, there is a record of the disciples arguing or complaining. In the first case, the disciples were arguing with the scribes. We're not told what they're arguing about, but we can imagine they're probably arguing about Jesus. The second time that they're caught arguing, the disciples are arguing about which one of them is going to be the greatest. And in the third case, they were complaining about someone who was not part of their group but was healing people in Jesus' name. See, in the first incident, instead of joining the disciples in their argument with the scribes, Jesus is worried about the things that are really important. And so while they're arguing with the teachers of the law, Jesus is like, you're going to argue about how to do the gospel. I am actually going to do it, and I'm going to heal a boy. So while they're arguing about how they're going to conduct the gospel and what the scriptures say, somebody else says, I'm going to take action, and I'm just going to do it. Sounds like the church, right? We like to argue about how to do things about what doctrines, about what church is real and what church is not. And and that church doesn't preach the gospel and this church does because they do things this way and we don't do it this way. And then there's those churches that say, you know what? I, I really don't care. Those are not the essentials. Let's just do the gospel. Let's preach the gospel to the world and let's unite together. In the case of the disciples arguing about who was the greatest, we spoke about that last week. Jesus does something different. He says, you guys are going to argue. I want to redirect you. 
Being the greatest means that you're the last, means that you're the servant of them all. And what he does is he brings a little child in their midst and he teaches them that the greatest thing that you could be to be a servant is to be like a child. And in the third case, which is where we're at this morning, he shares these words about a cup of cold water. Why is this so important? So we're going to get into that a little bit. But let me tell you something. These disciples were a lot like us. They were incredibly immature sometimes. They were arguing about things that didn't matter. Each person, each one of them carried their own agenda. Oh, who's going to be the greatest? Oh, we preach a better message than you guys do, you Pharisees and you scribes and you religious people. We, we got it better than you do. And then now, hey, you don't belong to the Jesus Corporation. You can't use our logo, our headlines. You cannot uh, uh, do anything as if you were doing it in the name of the company. Because you know the gospel, the company. You can't do anything in the name. You're not part of the company. We're the, we're, we're the, we're the CEOs, you know. This is the president right here, the vice president. You, I mean, we've got a trademark on this healing thing. You know what I mean? And you cannot follow our trademark. You, you can't be healing people in Jesus' name. I mean, we've got a trademark on this. This is patent protected. You cannot do what we are doing because you're not part of our group. So here's the problem. These folks were crazy arguing and they were living in a place of offense. Who's going to be the greatest? Well, if you're asking yourself that type of question, you're, you're already you're setting yourself up for, for, for offense. I'm going to tell you why. Because you're never going to be the greatest. None of us are the greatest. You, I, I can remember uh, there's videos of Muhammad Ali. What is it? Uh, what is his saying? Somebody help me out. Swing, sting like a bee. There you go. Dance like a butterfly, sting like a bee, Right? I'm the world's greatest, and I'm going to argue with everybody, and I'm going to make a mockery of you before I get you in the ring until finally age catches up with you, and you can't even move, and you can't even talk, and then life becomes a reality, and you're no longer the world's greatest. Because here's the deal. It'll happen to all of us. None of us are the world's greatest. Jesus teaches us to be the world's greatest. You need to be servant of them all. And that goes contrary to anything that we think. And then here's the thing. If we go up to people, hey, you're not part of the company. I don't know why you're doing that. Why are you healing people in Jesus' name? you're You're not authorized to heal people in Jesus' name. Listen to this. No mature Christian who is seasoned in the world has any reasonable excuse to live their life offended. If Jesus has given us the spirit of an overcomer, we have no excuse to live our lives offended or as the victim of someone else's opposition or pain. The Bible tells us we are told to rule our own spirit well. That's from the lead pastor of Hillsong, Brian Houston. We don't have the opportunity to bicker and to be Christians who are arguing and complaining while there is a church, uh, there is a, a, a people group outside that is losing their lives on a daily basis and entering into eternity. See, as far as the world is concerned, we spend a lot more time condemning the world than we spend being salt and light in the world. Why? Because it's easier that way. 
It doesn't ever cost us anything. But here's the deal. It never changes the world either. In the church, it seems that we often spend more time arguing with each other about things that have very little value than we spend time serving each other. See, we're just like the disciples trying to be the greatest so other people can serve us. There are so many people in the church. And when I talk about the church, I'm talking about the evangelical church in general and the church of Jesus in general. There's so many people in the church today who reflect the negative attitudes of our modern day society. And instead of giving cups of cold water, what they do is they pour cold water on everything good in the church. And if that is not enough, we spend the rest of our time criticizing other churches just like the disciples were complaining about someone who was not in their group performing a miracle in Jesus' name. And you see, oftentimes what I found is that when people are critical and they want to criticize other people, oftentimes what's happening is that they're hiding their own lack of service. Well, that person does this. And they do it this way. And I really don't like that that person does it this way. I don't like that that person serves this way. If I were to do it, then I would do it differently. Well, get up and go ahead and do it. You don't like the way the bulletins are being handed out? You don't like the way the coffee is being served? Put your money where your mouth is. Go ahead and do it. Serve. Does any of this ever sound familiar to you? See, here's the thing. I love this. Most people wish to serve God, but in an advisory capacity only. Most people don't want to serve people. They want to serve God in an advisory capacity only. God, let me help you out. Do you see John Doe down there? Do you see Jane Doe down there? They're not exactly doing it the way I would, Jesus. And so it's not really right because they're not doing it the way I would. And so we want to serve God, but we want to serve him in an advisory capacity, and that's wrong. There's another thing that, that this passage shows us. It's, it's about Christians serving each other. Listen to this again. Truly I say to you, whoever gives a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Matthew's gospel goes even further ahead than what Mark's gospel does. And Matthew's gospel uses the phrase cold water. And and if you're studying this, this is really significant, right? Because someone had to make an extra trip in order to be able to get the water cold. Because serving will cost you. It will cost you some time. It will cost you some effort. You may have to swallow your pride sometimes. You may have to serve by being slow to speak. You may have to make a commitment to teach a class that no one wants to teach. Later, Jesus gave the disciples another example of the power of service by actually washing their feet. You may have to serve as if you were washing someone's feet. See, in the church, serving one another is a powerful thing. It helps us avoid the conflicts and arguing. It teaches our children how a church should be. I've heard this time and time again before. And this is why I love our church. I love Risen King Church. Because I wholeheartedly believe this. If everyone is rowing the boat, no one has a chance to rock it. If we're all rowing the boat 
and rowing the oars together, no one has a chance to say, well, I don't like how this is done. I'm going to rock it. I'm going to try to shift this thing. I'm going to try to cause damage into this thing. You see, when we, when, we, uh, when we follow Jesus and when we serve, we're showing our kids an example. And more than that, it catches the attention of the unbelieving world. Here's what Jesus said. They will know that you belong to me by the way you love one another. This is Christians serving each other. So uh, I don't ever intend on doing this again uh, unless Jesus leads us. Uh, into this um so we have two sacraments as a church Uh, our sacraments as a church are communion and water baptism those are the two sacraments of the church okay some other organizations and denominations add additional uh, sacraments there's another denomination that adds feet washing as a sacrament in honor of what jesus did so one one day uh we were a much smaller church at, at the time and and we had a foot washing uh, service in the church. And we got pans and we were washing people's feet. Well, there was a homeless man. His name was Harry. Okay. Harry's feet used to ooze every time he used to come to the church. And Harry came to the front to be part of the foot washing service. And no one wanted to touch Harry's feet. So I touched it. I wanted to wear gloves. I promise you, I pureled the daylights out of my hands. It's just natural to me. It, but, but, you know, here's the thing. We've got to serve even the people that we don't want to serve. E- even the people that cause us great frustration. Even the people that upset us. I mean, the people that don't say or do things the way that we would. I mean, we've, we've got to serve people that that's the whole gospel if you can take the gospel and put it in a nutshell it's serving people so that they would see the light of jesus and so that in turn they would serve other people too so that we can choose we can choose one of three paths we can choose to be christians arguing with each other about which light bulb we need to switch and what color we're going to paint the sanctuary and what kind of carpet we're going to do and how this ministry is going to run and how that's going to we can argue about those things will never be effective we can choose to be christians who serve each other and be highly effective but let me talk to you about the third path that we can do because this is powerful this is arguably the most powerful path out of the three we can be christians who serve and reach the world You see, a cup of cold water in Jesus' name is a powerful witness. It's so powerful today because it's so rare. People don't serve people today, especially people that they don't know. I've always found this fascinating. There's there's this one place uh, by where my family and I come from. Um, It's called Kairos Joel, and it's it's a Hasidic village, okay? All these Hasidic people uh, live there. Okay, I've always been fascinated by the fact that one of those Hasidic guys can literally just stop by the side of the road and just wait there. And a random van will just come and pick him up and take him to where he needs to go. I thought about doing it one time. (laughs) Your pastor's bad. Ready? Don't follow this example, right? Have you ever? So every time I pass by the village, you know, I have a minivan now, you know, so they think I'm one of them. Right? So I thought about just stopping to pick him up, stopping, and then keeping going. No, I'm just kidding. Don't follow my example. That's absolutely terrible. Don't mess with them. 
I'm just kidding. But, <clears throat> but people really don't serve each other today. We're skeptical, right? We don't stop the car. We don't let people in because they're the next axe murderer and they might kill us or rob us or stuff. And there's reason to be concerned. We obviously live in a very detrimental world. Listen to this. A few years ago, I heard the, the testimony of a comedian. His name is Mike Williams. Mike's mother tried to give him away to the mailman. And every day the mailman would deliver the mail and say, here's your mail. Have a nice day. And remember, Jesus loves you. That cup of cold water led to Mike being adopted by the mailman's daughter. Who had multiple sclerosis and who her husband was a Baptist Sunday school teacher. Mike says that his parents were so strict that the Amish thought that they needed to lighten up. (laughs) But Mike is a great minister of the gospel today because a cup of cold water was shared by the mailman. Jesus loves you. That cup of cold water, Jesus loves you. Listen to Proverbs 25, 25. As cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a far country. As cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a far country. Cold water, good news. Do you see the correlation in the gospel? D.L. Moody wrote the following words next to Isaiah 6, 8 in his Bible. Isaiah 6, 8 reads as follows. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. Listen to what he wrote next to Isaiah 6, 8 in the Bible. He says, I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. What I can do, I ought to do. And what I ought to do, by the grace of God, I will do. In Matthew 25, Jesus said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you came to me. Sick and you visited me. See, it's all about service. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? Yes, and he served us with all he had. And that's what he was trying to teach the disciples. And that's what he's trying to teach us today. So what do you need to do to become a cup of cold water Christian? Ready? Don't think about it. Just do it. Just do it. Serve people. 